Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast for Wednesday, May 1st, 2019. I'm your host, David Dole, and coming up on today's show, four segments. Biden officially announces 2020 run, followed by Biden launches 2020 run with lobbyist cash, followed by C-SPAN caller goes from Trump to Bernie, and finally, Dave Rubin reacts to Anna Kasparian calling him a fraud. Now, I don't have much more for the intro today. Uh, these are mainly segments from last week. I have a lot of uh, catching up to do in terms of uh, uploading these uh, these segments to to um, uh, to iTunes and you know the different podcast apps. So I'm going to put these four in uh, in this segment, and then there'll also be a couple more uploads, uh, podcast uploads coming up, where the rest of my segments that have yet to be uploaded in audio form will be uploaded. So uh, wait for those. But for now, check out these four segments. Even more important, we have to remember who we are. This is America. Well, here we Joe again. <laughs> I, before I go any farther, I have to say I saw that in a headline on splinternews.com. I just completely stole it. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Here we Joe again. Uh, so I just want to give them proper credit. Now, Joe Biden. He's done it. Finally, he's announced his run for 2020 for the Democratic primary uh, or for the Democratic Party nomination. Let me first play his uh, announcement ad here, which is about three minutes long. So if you've seen it, you can fast forward because uh, it's pretty terrible. But uh, if you want to watch it or watch it again, uh, you're free to. So here it is. Charlottesville, Virginia is home to the author of one of the great documents in human history. We know it by heart. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. We've heard it so often, it's almost a cliche, but it's who we are. We haven't always lived up to these ideals. Jefferson himself didn't, but we have never before walked away from them. Charlottesville is also home to a defining moment for this nation in the last few years. It was there on August of 2017 we saw Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis come out in the open. Their crazed faces, illuminated by torches, veins bulging and burying the fangs of racism, chanting the same anti-Semitic bile heard across Europe in the 30s. And they were met by a courageous group of Americans and a violent clash ensued. And a brave young woman lost her life. And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides? With those words, the President of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those with the courage to stand against it. And in that moment, I knew the threat to this nation was unlike any I had ever seen in my lifetime. I wrote at the time that we're in the battle for the soul of this nation. Oh, that's even more true today. We are in the battle for the soul of this nation. I believe history will look back on four years of this president and all he embraces as an aberrant moment in time. But if we give Donald Trump eight years in the White House, he will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation. 
who we are. And I cannot stand by and watch that happen. The core values of this nation are standing in the world, our very democracy. Everything that has made America, America is at stake. That's why today I'm announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. Folks, America's an idea. An idea that's stronger than any army, bigger than any ocean, more powerful than any dictator or tyrant. It gives hope to the most desperate people on earth. It guarantees that everyone is treated with dignity and gives hate no safe harbor. It instills in every person in this country the belief that no matter where you start in life, there's nothing you can achieve if you work at it. That's what we believe. And above all else, that's what's at stake in this election. We can't forget what happened in Charlottesville. Even more important, we have to remember who we are. This is America. All right. Um, what was that? <laughs> I mean, it's just a bunch of empty rhetoric. Just no policy ideas, no analysis of why the country was in a situation where they voted for Trump, why millions of people voted for Trump. He's treating Trump as an anomaly. Like, oh, we made this mistake, this one mistake voting for President Trump. Now let's get back to normal. Back to normal? Back to normal where people still have jobs that aren't getting, where they aren't getting paid enough? Back to normal where people still don't have health care? Back to normal where they're still getting ripped off by uh, insurance companies, where they're still getting ripped off by Wall Street? I mean, what's what exactly is back to normal? So this shows you that Biden has not evolved at all. He hasn't changed whatsoever. Society around him has completely changed, or is now in a place where people are recognizing that there needs to be some dramatic shifts because you can't keep going on like this. I mean, again, why do people get to a place where they are willing to vote for somebody as outrageously stupid and crazy as Donald Trump? They get to that place because they're tired with the status quo, and Joe Biden represents the status quo. I don't know why he's running, except for his own ego. I really don't. There are many other candidates in this race that can represent the Joe Biden side, but better. I mean, Kamala Harris is better than Joe Biden. Pete Buttigieg is better than Joe Biden. Why is Joe Biden here, except for the fact that he has name recognition and he thinks he can win with that, and his own ego has propelled him to this point? I don't know any other reason why he's running. Now, I want to get to some uh, other analysis of, uh, of Biden's uh, announcement here and also break down, just briefly go over some of his past and how he hasn't changed. So let me just uh, first read this from New York Mag's uh, Intelligencer. Unlike many of his rivals, the former vice president didn't introduce himself to voters by lamenting the long-term stagnation of middle-class wages, the hidden legacies of white supremacy, the metastasizing climate crisis, or any other policy challenges that predated Trump's time in office. Rather, the vice president chose to put a spotlight on a problem unique to Trump, one that America could have averted by electing literally any other candidate in 2016, the problem of having a president who was uncomfortable unequivocally condemning neo-Nazis. In other words, 
Biden's announcement video is a 210 second long insult to the intelligence and moral imagination of its viewers. Yeah, that uh, they said it a lot better than I did. <laughs> That's exactly what this was. This was he offered nothing. So, look, let's break down now some of the uh, just really briefly go over Biden's history. And I'm also going to do a quick comparison here to Bernie because they both are the two candidates that have a long history. So it's worth comparing the two and seeing how they stack up, which I've done in a previous video. I actually have a, a long breakdown of that, but I will briefly kind of go over that here as well. Um, but first, let's just, I mean, look at issues like gay rights, the Iraq war, Wall Street deregulation. Biden was on the wrong side of all of these incredibly important issues. So uh, this tweet from uh, Michael. Joe Biden opposes single-payer health care, opposes cannabis legalization, supports the death penalty, wrote the 1994 crime bill, voted for DOMA, voted for NAFTA, voted for the Iraq War, voted for the Patriot Act, voted to make it harder to eliminate student debt. And uh, this from Warren Gunnels, for comparison purposes, only one presidential candidate helped lead the opposition against every single one of these disastrous bills, Bernie Sanders, Glass-Steagall repeal, NAFTA, China permanent normal trade relations, Wall Street bailout, Iraq war, 1996 welfare reform, bankruptcy reform, Defense of Marriage Act, U.S. Patriot Act. But uh, Bernie Sanders voted against all of those disastrous bills. So this is the comparison that's worth making because it shows you, look, if Biden was the only uh, candidate in this race that had a long history, then you could potentially forgive him for some of his past because you, you only have people that have maybe a very short history like Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg that are in the race. And so there isn't really a, a, a proper, you know, apples to apples comparison. But you can actually put Biden's record up against somebody else, in this case, Bernie Sanders. And it showcases how wrong Joe Biden has been and how correct Bernie Sanders has been. For me, the mark of a leader is if you are on the side of an issue before it is popular. Bernie was championing gay rights in the 80s and 90s long before any major Democrat was, long long before Joe Biden was. Joe Biden didn't support gay marriage till 2012. I mean, that's just one example. But go down the list, whether it's bank deregulation, I mean, whether it's the, these uh, these trade deals, whether it's, I mean, you could, again, you saw the list. I have a proper comparison between Bernie and Biden. So I'll link to that uh, above and even below the video. So you can check that out if you want to. Um, But I want to get back to, to Biden here. So there's also, so there's this uh, other piece of analysis here from Jacobin that I want to reference. The most damning thing is that Biden hasn't changed. While other candidates with similarly troubling records at least understand the need to pay lip service to progressive ideas, there's little indication Biden has moved an inch in his thinking. He doesn't think, quote, 500 billionaires are the reason we're in trouble, end quote, and has, quote, no empathy for millennials. He still supports the TPP. He still thinks adding to the conditions that fuel migration is the best way to stop it. He still wants to cut Medicare and Social Security. Which also gets to a point that I'm going to touch on later, but I don't really understand why Biden has support from seniors, except for name recognition. Biden has been openly discussing cutting Medicare and Social Security. I think the problem is the media isn't really talking about that too much. If they did, I got a feeling Biden's support would quickly diminish with uh, older voters. And there's also the issue of Anita Hill. So apparently I saw this story today. Um, so this from the Hill. 
Biden speaks with Anita Hill. But <laughs> check this out. Former Vice President Joe Biden, who Thursday announced a presidential bid, spoke with Anita Hill, a Biden campaign aide, said Thursday. Quote, they have spoken, campaign aide Kate Bedingfield said on CNN. She declined to give more information on the private discussion. Hill said late, uh, last year that Biden had not apologized to her over the issue, according to the rap. In recent weeks, several women have come forward to say that Biden touched them in ways that made them feel uncomfortable. I find it kind of odd that <laughs> Biden's campaign is willing to say that, oh yeah, Biden spoke with Anita Hill, but they're giving no other information. I feel like probably didn't go too well. So they're not going to talk about it. Now, there's also the issue of polling. So we have seen uh, the polls so far. Basically, it's been Bernie or Joe Biden leading in the polls. Uh, this most recent poll from Emerson Polling shows uh, Bernie in first with 29%, followed by Joe Biden at 24%, and everybody else under 10%. Now, this is largely right now because of name recognition. Now, yes, of course, uh, people that are, you know, uh, answering these polls also support these candidates for whatever reason. But name recognition is is going to really be a factor as it always is. I mean, if people don't know your name, they're not going to vote for you. So having Bernie Sanders out there for, uh, you know, the past few years pushing on these progressive issues has obviously raised his profile in terms of his, his name and his platform. But Joe Biden as well, of course, being, you know, the former VP is also going to have incredible name recognition. Now, one thing that I do uh, worry about is that I do think Biden is taking votes away from Bernie Sanders because of name recognition. So there's been other polls. I don't have one to reference here, but there's been other polls where Biden hasn't been included because he hadn't announced yet. And Bernie's support shot up. So Biden is cutting into Bernie's support in that, at least in the idea of name recognition, because in terms of their platform, in terms of what they fight for, in terms of their history, they are completely different candidates. But I think people see two older white men that they recognize, and a lot of people who don't play, pay close attention to politics may think they are sort of similar on the issues. Joe Biden has sort of a record of standing up for unions, even though he doesn't, which again is the whole other issue maybe I should get into at some point. But this is going to be very interesting how this all plays out. I don't think Biden's going to win the nomination. I'll just say that. I'm not sure how far he's going to get. I don't think he's going to win the nomination. I think his support will begin to... Uh, I think he's going to have a little bump right now because he just announced. But after a few months, and especially after the debates, when it becomes clear who supports what... I don't think Joe Biden's support is going to last all that much longer. So uh, I hope he's enjoying his time right now at the top because Joe Biden, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think we need too much more of you. Well, surprise, surprise. The same day that Joe Biden launched his 2020 campaign for president, he decided that it was a good time to also hold a massive fundraiser filled with corporate lobbyists and GOP donors. Now, for anyone that's been paying attention to Joe Biden and really the whole American system and how it operates, this should not be surprising. This is what these candidates do. The vast majority uh, the vast majority of them do this. They have their big donors that gifted their campaign and then once they attain power, they then have to answer to those big donors because they want to rely on them next time for more money. This is how the system works and really 
Only Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and some other smaller candidates right now are challenging that system by holding no private fundraisers whatsoever and are simply relying on individual donors to fund their campaigns. Now, this is also an issue that you won't hear much about on CNN or MSNBC or even Fox News because they share these same donors. So these massive media companies are propped up by advertiser dollars from industries like big pharma, insurance companies, and other massive corporations. This is how they operate. So they are never going to tell you or they're never going to focus on the issue of money in politics because they are also (laughs) impacted by the money that they take in. It forms their entire narrative, which is why there isn't this big focus on Joe Biden and his donors because instead they choose, oh, Joe Biden, the working class guy, he fights for the, the just the average Joe. That's not who Joe Biden is. And before I even get any farther, if you have friends or family who aren't aware of how the political system is broken and who Joe Biden actually works for, share this video with them. Because I have a lot of data here to show you this is Joe Biden. Joe Biden is simply a tool used by other industries to fight for them. He does not fight for the average person. So let me get into uh, who was at this fundraiser and really who it was hosted by. So this headline here, Joe Biden, net neutrality skeptic to attend fundraiser held by Comcast's top lobbyist. As a senator, Biden took thousands from Comcast employees and did not back bipartisan net neutrality legislation. So of course, we all know Comcast, America's favorite company, uh, <laughs> or not. Comcast is actually America's most hated company and is just one of the many lobbyists uh, that were at this fundraiser supporting Biden, but one of many lobbyists in general that support Joe Biden. So let me also give you an idea of who else was there apart from Comcast. So uh, this tweet went out from Holly Otterbein of uh, Politico. So she tweeted this out. One last thing about this. Comcast exec, uh, exec David Cohen hosting Joe Biden's fundraiser has gotten lots of attention. What's gotten less play, but is also notable as 2020 candidates back Medicare for All, is that Independence Blue Cross CEO Dan Hilferty will be there. And this from The Intercept on Dan Hilferty. A member of the Biden host committee is the chief executive office, uh, officer of Independence Blue Cross. He is on the board of America's health insurance plans, the trade association working to defeat the progressive push for Medicare for All. In national politics, Hilferty has exclusively donated to Republicans this year, records show. The health insurance executive gave $5,000 to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, along with smaller donations to other congressional Republicans. So... This is how the system is rigged. It's not simply about these donors giving to one candidate. No, they give to both sides. Not even just, you know, (laughs) a number of candidates in the Democratic Party. They give to Republicans as well. That way, by having an attachment to both sides of the debate, they are able to influence the debate from both sides, which is why the actual debate around healthcare is so narrow. I mean, healthcare is one example, but on most of these issues, the debate is so narrow because both sides are funded oftentimes by the same people. So if there is any real movement in terms of, you know, moving left or right on an issue, it's really just a matter of inches. And there aren't any actual real discussions about how the uh, the process, whether it's healthcare or whether it's anything else, is inherently rigged from the uh, beginning of the discussion simply because the discussion is narrowed because 
these big donors fund both sides of the argument. Now, this also goes to uh, this obvious point made in this headline from um, uh, Vox.com. The healthcare industry is betting on Joe Biden in its war against Medicare for all. So this also goes to, I mean, <laughs> what do you expect Joe Biden to do on healthcare? He is already being funded by massive healthcare insurance companies. I mean, when we get to a discussion on improving healthcare costs or lowering healthcare costs, do you really th- expect your healthcare costs to be lowered if you have President Joe Biden propped up by insurance companies, propped up by big pharma companies? Is that what Joe Biden's going to do? Is he's going to be able to then lower your costs because he got all this money from the insurance co- industry? No, it's going to go the opposite way. He's going to keep the current system in place as much as he can because of the money that he receives from these massive industries. This is why you haven't seen Joe Biden come out for something like Medicare for All, because there is no chance in hell that Joe Biden would support Medicare for All while he's accepting this kind of money from these healthcare industries. Now, this also goes to the issue of fighting uh, misinformation. So I saw this tweet today and it bothered me because this is reality for a lot of people in America. So I work with a woman, has a pre-existing condition, can't afford high medical bills, can't afford a car, even an air conditioner. Just told me, quote, I like Joe Biden, don't like Sanders. He thinks prisoners should vote. This is the kind of BS that all of us are consistently up against. Because the mainstream press doesn't focus on issues like Joe Biden's big donors and how that affects policy, you get people that are misinformed and end up voting against their own best interests. This is somebody that has a pre-existing condition, will, can't afford her medical bills, is being impacted by the private insurance industry and by big pharma. Bernie Sanders is the only candidate right now that is really pushing for a massive shift in that industry. And she doesn't like <laughs> Bernie Sanders. She likes Joe Biden. Joe Biden funded, again, by the healthcare industry and big pharma and other special interests. Now, Biden's doing all of this while pretending that he's not taking lobbyist cash, which, I mean, is even more disgusting. I mean, it's one thing to be completely corrupted. It's another thing to be completely corrupted and pretend that you aren't. So this is what Joe Biden's doing. Like other Democratic candidates, Biden is launching his presidential bid with a pledge to reject federal lobbyist cash. But the lobbyists attending his Thursday fundraiser are either unregistered or registered with state entities, not the federal system. As The Intercept previously reported, Democratic contenders Beto O'Rourke, Kamala Harris, and Cory Booker have all leveraged the same loophole to collect cash from corporate interests while pledging to eschew funding from federal lobbyists. So, it's not just Biden here. Other candidates are doing this as well. Pretending that, oh yeah, I'm not taking any federal lobbyist money. Yeah, but you're taking money from other lobbyists. Why do they have to be federal lobbyists? It's all a game they play. So that when they're on the debate stage or when they're asked a question about where they're getting their money from, they can put a line out there saying, oh, I'm not taking any money from federal lobbyists. But they don't give you the full picture of where they are getting their money from. Again, this is how the system works, and you're not going to see the mainstream press point this out because they too receive money in other ways from these industries. Now, let me also just quickly go over some of the other lobbyists that were at this launch uh, fundraiser for, uh, for Biden who were also hosting the event. So 
You have uh, Kenneth Jaren, who works on behalf of a toll road operator and for-profit healthcare interests. This person also gave to Republicans. You have Alan Kessler, lobbyist for many clients, including American Airlines. You have former Philadelphia Mayor Michael Nutter, senior advisor to a lobbyist group, also on the board of a toll road company. And uh, Biden's campaign coordinator, Steve Ricchetti, is a former lobbyist as well. Now, I mean, (laughs) I don't even know what to say anymore. This is just, this information needs to get out to more people. That's really what this is about. We can't be stuck in our echo chamber talking to people who already know these, these things, already understand that Biden is completely corrupted. You have to share videos like this with friends and family, and not just my videos, other channels as well that talk about these issues. Share these videos with people that don't know this, for people that maybe only watch MSNBC or CNN or Fox News and don't understand how the system works. You have to share these videos around. You have to get this message out because, as I told you, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News are not going to discuss these issues because it directly impacts their own advertisers. A voter that supported Trump in 2016 called into C-SPAN to say who they support for 2020. Watch. Bernie supports the idea in Raleigh, North Carolina. Go ahead. Yes, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Let me say this. Uh, For the last election, I trusted Trump. I thought he was going to throw a monkey wrench into the elite establishment and make America great again. And uh, I'm just a regular guy. I'm in sales. And I thought that the whole economy would change across the spectrum. Well, here we are four years later. And I got to say, he lied. Uh, I'm no better off. My friends who are regular workers are no better off. The Midwest, the Electoral College, no better off. And so this year, if I don't have someone to challenge him on our side, I'm voting for Bernie. I'm voting for Bernie because he makes the most sense. By the way, I'm paying $387 for a bottle of diabetic medicine. So there are a lot of issues I like uh, with Bernie. And uh, he just he he just makes more sense. Thanks. So, Bernie, healthcare yeah. for health you your top issue. I'm sorry. Is is oh, health yeah. healthcare Absolutely. your top issue? Absolutely, I think healthcare is a top issue for what we call human beings, <laughs> because without our health, we're dead. Yeah. You see, so health health has to be the top issue for everyone, regardless of party. Would you agree? Well, Bernie, let me ask you, you, so you voted for the president in 2016. How did you vote in the midterm elections in 2018? Well, I didn't. You didn't? You you stayed Um, home? I stayed home, yeah, because I, look, let me just put it to you this way. For the last 40 years, uh, there have been six consecutive presidents that have favored the rich, rich companies, and uh, I'm I'm a, what you call an old-fashioned Republican. I, I don't go for uh, other type stuff, which I won't get into. So that's why I voted for Trump, because he promised the Midwest is going to regain what it once had. To ask anyone in the Midwest, ask people in the middle of the country, are they better off? The answer is hell no. And Bernie Sanders is the only person running that's for actual people. So there you go. Now, what does conventional wisdom normally tell us? Oh, the Democrats have to nominate somebody that's moderate 
because they have to be able to appeal to Republican voters. So if you're trying to appeal to somebody on the right, trying to appeal to those conservative, uh, those conservative voters, well, you have to your policies have to be somewhere in the middle, like a, like a Joe Biden, somebody like like that, where they they can actually appeal to both sides. But that's not the fight. Hillary Clinton is the perfect example of that moderate candidate, and she lost to Donald Trump. So why hasn't conventional wisdom changed to recognize that the battle isn't really left-right, it's top-down? The actual battle is people realizing here that, as this caller pointed out, you've had all of these presidents represent the wealthy, represent massive corporations, represent people that are already at the top of society. Donald Trump, to this voter and to many voters, represented someone that, that would change the system, that would blow it up in some way or do something drastically different because he wasn't a politician. He was a, a business guy. So he would he would change things and somehow make it better. We all knew at the time that was BS, but a lot of voters did not know that because they didn't they weren't actually familiar with Trump's horrible record as, as a businessman, as a failed businessman, as as just a complete fraud. But a lot of these voters now have woken up. Now look. Of course, there are still Trump supporters, and a lot of those people are just supporting Trump because, we have to be honest, they're just completely racist. I mean, there's no reason at this point to vote for Trump. Trump hasn't done anything for the average person. He gave tax cuts to the rich. So, I mean, the idea that, oh, Democrats have to nominate somebody that's moderate, someone in the middle. These voters didn't vote for Trump because they wanted tax cuts for the rich. They voted for Trump because they thought he would change things. The only reason you hear that conventional wisdom about Democrats needing somebody moderate is because the people on television that are presenting you the news, they themselves are those kinds of voters. The the small sliver of voters that actually are Republicans that simply want their tax cuts, but they don't want all the racist stuff that, that Donald Trump puts out overtly. That's the difference here. So someone like Meghan McCain. Meghan McCain, who wants like a Joe Biden to vote for for the Democratic Party, but she doesn't want to vote for Trump. Meghan McCain does not represent most people. <laughs> Meghan McCain is a multi-millionaire who inherited everything she currently has. So this is the difference here. Actual Republican voters, actual conservative voters, I- except for the racist ones, <laughs> the other conservative voters, they want somebody that will, that will change the system, that will actually help people. The caller mentioned health care. I mean, you saw the Fox News town hall with Bernie Sanders. How everybody there supported Medicare for all, the people that had their private insurance, they understood that a lot of these people, they are stuck in their jobs because of that private insurance. Maybe they don't like their job, maybe they want to leave, but because they have good private insurance, they, they're afraid of leaving. But under a Medicare for all system, they would be freed up. And that's just one example. Bernie talks again and again about issues that affect the working class, whether it's wages, whether it's health care, whether it's uh, public transit, whether it's anything else. There needs to be an actual investment into people. And Trump, again, I mean, this is also part of the reason why Trump was, uh, why people were fooled by Trump. Because Trump said that under his health care plan as a candidate, he said that everybody would be covered. He never actually had a health care plan that would cover everybody, but that's what he said. He also said that he wouldn't cut Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid. But he is trying to cut all three. So, again, people were tricked. Yes, a lot of his base are just not good people and are incredibly racist. But there are people like this caller who thought that Trump would do something different and they just weren't that informed. 
But now they understand that, yeah, Trump is a fraud. And the only other person that is in this race right now for 2020 that will actually change the system. And you can look at his record and understand what Bernie is about and that he has fought for this the entire time and that he's not corrupted by big money donors. He only takes money from individual donors. You know that Bernie, you can actually trust him at his word. That's why Dave Rubin left the company. And now all of a sudden he's getting funded by the Koch brothers and all of a sudden his opinions are very different. Last year, TYT's Anna Kasparian called out former co-worker and friend at TYT, Dave Rubin, for leaving the Young Turks because he wanted to make more money. Now, the issue wasn't that he wants to make more money because people leave jobs all the time because they want to make more money. But when it comes to covering politics, the things that you discuss, if you are a public-facing figure like Dave Rubin, that has an impact on real people. So if you completely change all of your ideas, all of the perspectives, all of the principles you once had, now that you have left the Young Turks and are maybe now getting funded by people like the Koch brothers, then yeah, that's questionable. Because when it comes to politics, this actually affects the lives of real people. If you want to become an actor or be a singer because you want to make lots of money, whatever, who cares? But when it comes to discussing issues like news and politics, it does matter how you are funded, where you are getting your support from. So as I said last year, Anna Kasparian called this out. And we just now recently saw uh, Dave Rubin's reaction to this. So check this out. Can I please finally tell the truth about why he left the Young Turks? He wanted to make a six-figure salary to host a 30-minute-a-week show when everyone here, you know, because we work for an independent news company, was getting paid far less while working 12-hour days. That's why Dave Rubin left the company. And now all of a sudden, he's getting funded by the Koch brothers, and all of a sudden, his opinions are very different. He has no political identity. He is not an honest actor. He is not an intellectual. He is a fraud. That's who Dave Rubin is. I mean, I mean, quite. I wish quite I knew how she really felt. Boy, that's. <laughs> but no uh, point where to begin. You know, fraud, lazy, avaricious. You know, immoral. Uh, you wanted more money. First off, I never asked for. You know, it's so silly to even, unfortunately, to have to talk about these little nonsensical well, things. Because I, because I, I like talking about ideas, not about people. I never asked for more money, uh, that's number one. I left, I told them I was leaving and I left. There were no, no negotiations, that's it. Actually, my, my executive producer who I brought with me, uh, they offered to double his salary if he stayed. So together we would, have, we would have made more money if we'd stayed, but that has nothing to do with nothing. Um, Does it make you I would say, that? No, it's like, it's kind of pathetic, really. I'm not funded by the Koch brothers. I mean, I wish I was funded by the Koch brothers. That would be nice, I wouldn't be wearing H&M underwear. I mean, it's like, this is, this, is, this is what I'm talking about. It's that sort of endless hysteria, attacking people, attacking motives. Nobody's interested in that anymore. I really don't think people are interested in that. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was fun to watch. But let's actually just listen to what he's saying for a second. He says people don't care about you know, what your motives are. Again, if you're an actor, if you're a singer, if you do something that you really don't have much impact on people's lives except for the art that you create, yeah, I don't care if you're motivated by money. But if you are trying to inform an audience on politics, on policy, on how to improve society, yes, it does matter where you're getting your money from because if you're being funded by billionaires who have a certain political view, then you are pushing propaganda for a very small section of society. 
And yes, Dave Rubin is funded by at least one of the Koch brothers. So let me show you how that works. And look, this is how this is how Dave Rubin's able to say that he's not funded by the Koch brothers because are they directly writing him checks? Unlikely. But this is how he is funded by the Koch brothers. So Rubin Report is a product of uh, Learn Liberty. Learn Liberty is a project of IHS. So when you look at the IHS board of directors, you have Charles Koch. Now, you may think, oh, he's just one of many on the on the board of directors. But Charles Koch is such a big funder of IHS that they have an, an award, the IHS Alumni Award, named after him in his honor. So Charles Koch, who funds IHS, who funds the Rubin Report, this is how the process works. So are they... Are billionaires directly cutting checks to Rubin or even other these other conservatives? No, but they what they do is they put their money through these different organizations so that it allows people like Dave Rubin to say, "Oh, no, I'm not funded by these by these billionaires even though he is just indirectly." So, this is how the grift is done. Now again, I don't care if you're motivated by money in an industry that doesn't have a direct impact on people's lives. But when you are Dave Rubin, somebody that is propped up by Koch brother money, somebody that's propped up by conservative billionaire money, whose only aim is to cut taxes for themselves, is to is to improve their own lives by keeping their own money as billionaires and not helping society whatsoever. Yes, it does matter that you're being funded by the Koch brothers, and I'm glad to see. Or uh, <laughs> I loved it when Anna called out uh, Dave Rubin last year, and it's funny to see the. The, the fraud at work here pretend that, oh, no, people don't care about motives. No, I didn't want more money. What are you talking about? Even though Dave's Rubin's opinions on issues did a complete 180 once he left TYT and began getting funded by the Koch brothers.